Matthew 1, 4 to 6. I'm going to read it because it doesn't make sense unless you hear at least the 10, 15 minutes I'm going to share. It says, Ram was the father. Can you say that name? Aminabad. Together with me. Aminabad. Did not forget it. <laughs> Nashan was the father. Actually, Aminabad was the father of Nashan. Nashan was the father of Salmon. I don't know whether it was pink or what. Or baked or what. But Salmon was the father of Boaz. Now, now, now we're getting to it. See, Boaz's mother was Rahab. Hmm? If you don't know who Rahab was, we'll find out. Then Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, and in parenthesis, my version says, whose mother was Bathsheba, <laughs> very clean, widow of Uriah. <laughs> now, in uh, the word of the Lord, <laughs> uh-huh. uh huh, it's one of those genealogical texts that it really doesn't inspire to anything but to what? Uh, it, now, if, you're, if you are curious enough, then you would go and move throughout the, the, the Bible to find out who these people are. That's why I chose that verse because it kind of brings together the whole idea, thank you, the whole idea of the two ladies who discovered God. And I'm sharing with you a series called Stories of God's Grace, which is the idea of, of, of the grace of God being applied, being experienced, being poured in our lives. And that happens by the Holy Spirit making the words of Jesus actual life and fact in our lives, and by the Holy Spirit helping us to understand God better. Now, the story that we're about to read is a story that's uh, uh, it's a very short book in the Bible. The, the incidence is during the judging period. So, uh, Samuel is in there somewhere. It is believed that Samuel actually wrote the story, but we don't know. But tradition ascribes Samuel as the writer of the story of Ruth. Now, it's an interesting story because it, it doesn't talk about much about God. It doesn't talk much about the Messiah, which is okay. But it's all about God's intervention in people's lives. And it's all about God's sovereign, wonderful work in people's lives, even when people are not aware of it. God is providing. God is there. And God is redeeming. So, the story begins uh, in that period where, where in Bethlehem there was a famine. There was a very severe famine. And, and the, 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 the background is that the, the family had to migrate. Now, people migrate. People move. Actually, I was listening to a, a documentary not long ago on TV. And in the 10th century of Common Era was one of the largest people movements in the planet. There have been other massive migrations of peoples from some sections of the world to another section because of many reasons. It could be war. It could be famine. It could be economical conditions. It could be persecution. In this case, the family of Naomi, remember her? Naomi or Noemi, as we call her, 
The whole family had to go out of Bethlehem. They had to leave their land because there was no food. This is what the, uh, the way the story begins. In those days, when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem. Now, notice as the story goes from what's happening all over the land to one family. It just narrowed out to one family. So we're going to one family. So one man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's, the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Ephraites from Bethlehem. That's the, they were from the tribe of Ephraim, Ephraim, in the land of Judah. And they reached Moab, and they settled there. Why would somebody in their right mind leave your home, leave everything you are familiarized with, and go to another land and settle there? Well, there was a famine. There was no jobs. There was no food to collect. Remember, this is an agricultural society, so if there were no jobs, there was nothing growing anywhere. There was drought. This is desert. Water is not freely flowing everywhere. So there's a situation. People have to move, and they have to move quickly. So the two sons married Moabite women. Oh, what? They married foreigners. Or like we say here, they married some foreigners. <laughs> so they married some foreigner girls from Moab. <laughs> One married Orpha and another woman named Ruth. Time goes by. And they live, you know, and, and they, they apparently are able to make a living because they're staying there. They may be able to prosper because they have a house, and now they married. The boys married, and they have girls, you know, from the land, lo local girls. They marry some local girls. This is like, like, like a Puerto Rican coming here and, 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 and marrying Sue Ann. Yeah, same thing. Okay? Same thing. She was from Moab, he, and he was from Bethlehem. few years later, we don't know what happened. We really don't know what happened, but the story gets dark. And Elimelech dies. The, the, the man, the, the owner, the, the, the patriarch of the family dies. We don't know how or why. But then the story gets even darker. For Naomi, who's a woman in this period in history where they are basically property or with no rights for selling or owning or deciding their own lives. So when Naomi's husband dies, she is okay, you know, because she's got two sons, and the two sons are taking care of mom. But somehow it gets darker. The thing gets worse, and the two sons die. Whoa. The two sons die. So here we have three women in this period in history where women were just properties to be handed out to people, well, first of all, if the husband died, then Naomi's authority was the two sons. She was under their authority. They would take care of her like they would a mother, okay? They wouldn't relate to her like a slave, okay? It was just an issue of protection. Who's my protector? As a woman, who's protecting me? My sons are protecting me. But the sons died. So now you have not only Naomi alone without any protection, but now you also have Ruth and Orpah with protection. 
The rules in those days were that if you were a woman and you were left, your husband died, the debtors of your life, of your company, could get you. So, if you owe money and your husband dies, you belong to the ones you owe money to. Wow, that sounds very American. <laughs> Not at all, obviously. But it was sad for them. So, so they had to make some decisions. And, and Ruth, I, I mean, Naomi, being from Bethlehem, heard that there was now food in Bethlehem. That the Lord had been gracious to the land, as it says in the Scripture. The Lord had been gracious to the land, and now Bethlehem is again producing fruit, producing barley, producing wheat, producing the goods of the earth so that people could live. And they migrate back. So, uh, I I lost everything I had here. I'm going back home. That happens. So, she told the two local girls, you know, she told Oprah, you know, Oprah, uh, uh, Oprah, it's not Oprah, (laughs) it's Oprah. (laughs) No, it's not her. She she didn't need this. (laughs) She doesn't need this kind of help, you know. (laughs) But Oprah, uh, she tells Oprah, you know, go back home. And she tells Ruth, go back home to your people. This, This is what you know. This is what you're used to. I'm going, I came from a foreign land. I'm going back to a foreign land. But for me, it's not foreign. For you girls, it's going to be very difficult and very different. I said, why don't you stay here? Orpah, who apparently, you know, like convenience, perhaps, said, I'll stay here. But Ruth insisted. And in two occasions, Naomi turns around in their walk. As they're walking away, in two occasions, Naomi turns around and tells her, Stop, go back, go back. You don't have to follow me. However, Ruth apparently had picked up on something in that family. We don't know what it was that Ruth had picked up. We don't know what it was, or maybe we don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out later on. We don't know what it was that something sparkled in Ruth's heart about this family. She had been with them for 10 years at least. She had married into the family. She had seen the family life of this Jewish people. She had seen their devotion to their God. And something sparkled in Ruth's life that she said the following words to Naomi as Naomi is trying to get rid of her. And these are the famous words that we hear in many weddings as people are committing their lives together. And they say, do not ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Beautiful words that we hear in many ceremonies. However, if you read the following sentence of that, it is not read in ceremonies because it is a self-condemnation if you break the union. May, yeah, may I stay together? Because if I break this commitment, may the Lord have mercy on me. Well, the weddings don't read that. <laughs> they just read that very nice part. But what was it that inspired Ruth to stay along with the family, to stay along with Naomi? What was it that she saw? What was it that she experienced? What was it that she actually, you know, that she just said, your God will be my God? Well, they arrived in Bethlehem and they settled. Levitical law requires that a Judean uh, uh, welcomes and provides for the strangers, immigrants, and, and the needy. 
Now, in this case, Naomi is coming home, but Naomi is coming with a stranger, a foreigner, an immigrant. And even though it's her daughter-in-law passed, right, the relationship seems to continue between the two women, the one guiding the other, the one teaching the other, the one letting the other one know that there's something special. And I'm still wondering, what is it that Ruth saw in those people that she made this commitment to go and follow? When she gets over to Bethlehem, she is invited to do gleaning. Gleaning is re, uh, receiving the crops, but the leftovers. For example, you have a, a, a crop not a crop duster, no, a, a crop collector. What are those machines? Uh, uh, it's probably a John Deere, a, a harvester, thank you, a harvester. And, and the harvesters today, they collect almost 99% of the wheat or the barley. In those days, it was by hand, so whatever you could reach, and then you cut, and then you moved on. Whatever you didn't cut or whatever you didn't pick up was left in the ground. And Levitical law says that for any homeless, jobless, immigrant or stranger, that the Jewish community was not going to leave them hungry, homeless, and abandoned, that they were to take care and embrace them as their own. So they had the privilege of going behind the harvesters and collect whatever the harvesters would leave so they could not only eat, but they could also sell in the market. And that way begin their life in this new land. Ruth was doing that. Ruth was going from field to field as the harvesters came down, she would follow them and she would collect and she would collect. One day, this man called Boaz, he's the hero of the story, okay? Boaz shows up and he's checking his fields, he's checking his workers, he's checking the land, and he notices. Huh? Hmm? I think he took a three check. Huh? And he kind of liked Ruth. That's a nice-looking girl. Nice-looking girl. I, I think he fell for her because then he began to do special things for her. He told her, listen, don't go out to other fields. Nah, stay in mine. And then he told the workers, this is, he was in love, I think, because he did stuff, you know. He told the workers, uh, cut some wheat, but leave some more behind so that she could collect more and make more. And Naomi kind of figured it out because the girl got to the house one day with two bales instead of one bale. She says, what's going on? And, and, and she said, well, uh, uh, Mr. Boaz has found favor on me, and he's telling me to stay there and to work with his people and not to go to any other fields. And Naomi, the good old mature one, says, hmm. Boaz said that. And then he's allowing you to collect even more. Hmm. Right? Why women do that? Why women know they can smell romance in the air? So he did all that stuff. And one day, Naomi said, he's into you. He really likes you. He's doing all those favors, so I'm going to encourage you to follow him. You know why I want you to follow him? You know why I want you to talk to him? He's a relative of mine. The law said that if a relative of yours was willing to pay up your debt or to buy whatever, because women weren't supposed to own, but she legally inherited all that stuff, but she wasn't supposed to own. So there had to be a man somewhere in there 
I don't know why, but they insisted back then. There had to be a man somewhere in there that would rescue them and would pay the debt so they could be rescued from pending slavery, perhaps. If nobody came and they came to collect, Naomi and Ruth were going to end up. So Naomi tells Ruth, go for him. He's a good man. He's actually a, a family relative. You know, and so uh, uh, Ruth goes in, in, into a, a place in the farm where they're thrashing. It's actually a, a well, and they thrash the wheat, the way they thrashed the wheat, they would put the wheat in a, in a blanket and they would lift it up and all the shaft would be taken by the wind and whatever fell was wheat. They would do this until more wheat was left in the blanket because the shaft would fly off. And they were in that room and it was night and Boaz went to sleep and Ruth got in there and the scripture tells us that she slept at his feet. Let's leave it there. Let's keep a G. Let's keep a G. <laughs> yeah, let me keep a G. <laughs> so he wakes up. Who are you? Boaz asks. Who are you? So he finds himself with a woman in bed. Who are you? That's a good question to ask. If you're a man and you wake up with a woman in bed, <laughs> who are you? I would say, how'd you get here? Because I don't remember bringing you. <laughs> but, but the story's there. And then she goes and says, I am Ruth, I am with Naomi, I was the wife. So she tells him the story, and she actually goes, says, would you rescue us? Would you pay our debt? And I think he was a little excited about it, because immediately Boaz said, oh, I could, but I can't. Because there is somebody in the line of the family that has priority over me. To rescue you girls. Now, these guys are called kinsman's redeemer. That's the old word. Today, we call it guardian redeemers. Boaz was trying to become a guardian redeemer so that Naomi and Ruth would not be taken to servitude because they owed too much and the land then was used by somebody else. So Boaz met at the gates of the town of, 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 of Bethlehem along with the elders. And he met with that relative. We don't know the name of the relative. We, we, we never are, we're never given the name of that relative. But he told the relative, if you're willing to rescue them, go ahead and do it. The guy said, I have no interest. So in all honesty, he then became the person that could rescue Naomi and Ruth. And he goes ahead and he purchases the land that belonged to Elimelech, uh, uh, both Malon and, and, and Pylon, the other sons. And now it is in the family. And now it is okay. And now Naomi and Ruth can be at peace. Now Naomi, an elder woman, can rest her old days and die at peace. Boaz marries Ruth, and they have Jesse, whose grandmother was David's. Ruth, a Moabite, a foreigner, a worship, an, an idolatrous. Actually, she may have been even more than that. And yet, she finds herself in the land of David, in the lineage of Jesus also. 
Where was God's grace in all this thing? I find God's grace very, very clearly. I find God's grace at the beginning of the book, already from the beginning of the famine, where God inspires the family to leave Bethlehem, and God encourages them, empowers them to such a level that they're able and comfortable to go to a foreign land, live there, dwell there, settle there, get assimilated as well as they could, and try to survive in that land. Their kids get married. That is grace for the guys. Come on. They were supposed to only marry, what, Jewish girls? There were not many there. They were in Moab. So God's grace is even in the fact that God allowed this man to, to, this man to find a wife, to have a family, to raise a family in a strange place, and yet... God was there with them. Just because they left Bethlehem, God did not leave them alone. They took the God of Israel with them. And I wonder if God's grace was so evident in the life of this family that that is what attracted Ruth to the family. How she saw the grace of God manifested in their relationships. How they may have been kind to one another. I see God's grace in the fortitude that Naomi has that we hear the story of her losing not only her husband but her two sons. And I hear no bitterness on her side. I hear no complaints on her side. I just hear her loving and praising God no matter what has happened in her life. And encouraging another one to follow and get to know that God that she knows to be so graceful. I see God's grace in the fact that Ruth herself has discovered something special that's willing to leave her family, leaving what used to be her identity, to now find a new people, a new land, a new God, and a new burial place away from her land. I see God's grace in the whole story of Boaz becoming a symbol, a figure, a shadow of Jesus himself, who is rescuing us from our own slavery to ourselves, from our slavery to hatred, to inequality, our, our slavery to just selfishness fear and suspicion. I see God's grace clearing all that up in Boaz so that Boaz could love and Ruth could love and they could begin a family. God's grace was throughout the story. I wonder if you have even found out whether God's grace was in your life. I tell the story and sometimes I pray and thank God for the things that I don't know could have happened to me. And I became aware of that because I was working with this young man from the family, from my wife's family. And that kid was a criminal. That kid only saw, anyway, he wanted to kill me. And he arranged a hit to get me done. Yeah. I found out nine years later. <laughs> I was still alive. But it, it was, he, the story goes that I'm going to this activity and he makes a big issue because I'm there. So the family asked me to leave so that they, they could have some peace. I leave early, obviously. I'm supposed to be in this engagement. I leave earlier. But when I get to the bottom of the hill, I have to make a decision. I either make a right turn and get to my mother's house very early. She's going to ask a lot of questions and I want to answer. Or I make a left turn, which I never made. And I wonder where he goes. And I took the left turn. Nine years later, I'm told that because I took that left turn, I wasn't murdered. If I would have taken the right turn, which was a typical way to go back to San Juan, there was a whole plan to get a car, you know, a hit, beat me up, the whole thing. I found out nine years later, the guy who planned it was telling me in my kitchen table, 
grace was there. And that's in a very critical situation. How about every morning when we get up and we become aware of that first breath that we take? It's not God's grace there that where we were sleeping, God is maintaining the planets and all that stuff in order so that we don't wake up with a... God is working while we're asleep. God's grace is wonderful and it's for all of us. So I wonder how many of us are really aware of how deep, how wide, how long, how high is God's love for us. This week I encourage you to do a checklist. It's hot days. We're not going to do anything. The tomatoes are just going to wither out there. I'm just going to make pasta with (laughs) sauce. Some of the plants are dying. My, my two sisters have been struggling with the two, two planters up front, and they just keep dying. Too hot. So I encourage you this week, make a survey. Review your life. And try to find God's wonderful grace in your life. Let me tell you one thing, just a secret. You're going to find God in your life. Amen? And may you have the power to understand all as all God's people should. May you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is God's love. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the stories that you have in in our historical collection of faith we call the Bible. And there are so many other books with amazing faith stories that we can see your grace, that we can see your providence, that we can see your sovereignty by providing, protecting, and redeeming. Just as Boaz became the redeemer, Jesus is our redeemer. He paid our debt We don't have to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Through Christ, we all say amen.